I'm so honored uh, to be able to uh, preach, and we are so loving being uh, at this church. Uh, you guys have really been so kind. Uh, Josh, you was telling me this morning, uh, Julia, that he loves it when you do children's church. You make it so fun. Uh, and that just means so much, uh, you know, just you, you investing in our kids and in our family, and uh, it's just beautiful. And uh, uh, this morning we had a, a, you know, a little bit of a, a, a sad moment. Uh, our goats were giving birth, and uh, it's our first time. It's the first time this, this goat's giving birth, and we lost both uh, babies. But the beautiful thing was uh, Stephen Brady reached out to the clocks, and there the clocks rushed over to our ranch, uh, and there they were, showed up with a towel and, and helping us. And, uh, you know, this is what this church is meant for. It's not just meant to come hear a fantastic sermon, which we do. Can we give the pastor a hand and Baba, our other pastor? I mean, every week, every week, the quality of, of sermons coming out of here uh, is just fantastic. Um, if the world found out about Velocity Church, I tell you, you would have to come an hour early uh, to, to get into this place. But uh, someone else that I want to honor today is uh, if, our, if our dear pastor is the father of this house, Dina is the mom uh, of this house. And, uh, you know, having... Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> having pastored for many years, I know that many times people, you know... Uh, Wanted to tell me thank you for something, but really it was my wife uh, behind it. And uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, uh, there was uh, somebody in the bathroom, and he said, I'm not going to church today. And uh, the woman on the other side said, yes, you are going to church today. It's like, those people hate me. And she said, listen, you get out of this bathroom, and you go to church and he said, give me three reasons why I should go. She said, I'll give you one reason. You're the pastor. <laughs> and so, uh, Dina, why don't you come down here? We just want to honor you quickly, if that is okay. Uh, she's so gracious and classy. Do we not have one of the most classy pastor's wives in all the world? We uh, went to the worst restaurant ever in Brenham. Uh, but the one last thing about our experience was the waitress saw a picture of uh, Dina because she wasn't there. And she said, she's a doll. And, uh, but it's not just your, your outward looks that is so beautiful. You really, your character, uh, the way you treat everyone, the way you've treated us is so beautiful. And we want to uh, just honor you with a little something. Uh, if you would bring that down there. But uh, Dina, we want you to know that you're more special than that. We wanted to honor you with something else. <laughs> but Dina, you've done a lot more than that in the kingdom of God. We wanted to offer, honor you with something else. <laughs> But that's not it. Let's, let's bring the rest. <laughs> I 
We bought out HEB for you. Please give her a hand. You'll never know the amount of prayers and all the things that go on for you uh, in this church. The leadership is praying for you. The leadership hurts for you. And uh, they want to see you succeed in everything that you do. Today I want to talk about who is whispering in your ear. We're talking uh, Genesis 3. I'm just going to do the first six verses today. Uh, because I thought it was just so important to really realize the power of what is going in your ears and what you're seeing with your eyes. Um, we've had such powerful sermons up until now, God creating Adam and Eve. Did He create them flawed? No. Did He create them with wounds? No. With issues? Did their school teacher tell them that they would be no good? Did their father not show up to pick them up? No, they didn't have any of those things. All the stuff that we deal with, they had none of those things. So when you read uh, what we are about to read, don't associate all our brokenness to them because they didn't have it. But even more so, you must realize that if this happened to them, how important it is for us to protect our ear gates and our eye gates. We were, uh, we were listening to this um, the guy's called Wackhead Simpson. You can look him up on, on YouTube. And we were laughing. He is a prank phone caller. But he calls this one girl. And, he, and, he, and in South Africa, something like this is very possible. But he calls her to ask her. She's just had braces put in. And he calls her to ask how she's uh, doing with the braces. And she's like, my teeth are hurting. And she's like, well, you know, I see that you checked the option for secondhand braces. And so they put secondhand braces in your mouth. And just the belief, now obviously it wasn't true, but just the belief that she had secondhand braces in her mouth. She starts vomiting and, and like you can hear her on the other side of the phone. She's just like completely breaking down at a lie. You hear what I'm saying? A lie can be so powerful. Deceit can be so powerful that it can ruin something that is true. And how do lies come? They come in our ears, and they come through our eyes. So who's whispering in your ear? Who is whispering in your ear today? Is it good that is being whispered? Is it bad that's being whispered? You have to know what is truth. And the only truth we have is found in this word. If it's, de if it's depicted by society, we're in trouble because that's changing all the time, Right? What used to be true is no longer true. Who at school learned that Pluto was a planet? And then all of a sudden it wasn't. And you're like, what do I do now? My whole belief system was built on that. Let's read uh, together. The serpent was the shrewdest of all wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? This is how it starts. It starts as just the simple question, but it's where it's wanting to go. You must understand how powerful the seed of doubt is. Satan can't force you to do anything, even though I'm sure many children have claimed that. Who ate this cake? The devil made me do it. 
He can't make you do anything. But what he does such a good job of is planting a seed and then we build on it ourselves. Have you ever had the experience of lying in bed and you're sure there's somebody standing on the other side of your room? Right, you see a shadow, you see something, and you're like, that's a person, and you flip on the light, and it's just like a hat and, and a coat on a rack or something like that. How your mind can play tricks with you and form a whole belief system. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, uh, snake sightings on our ranch, and so now snakes are just on our minds. And I was walking through the long grass, and a stick hit the back of my boot, and I took off like Usain Bolt. I was sure that was a cobra or something that was. <laughs> whatever is going in your eyes and whatever is going in your ears, if you do not deal with it, it's going to go into your heart and in, into your mind. I heard someone say once, you can't stop birds from flying over your, hair, your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. We are going to be bombarded by these things all the time, trying to bring down God, all the time. Have you noticed in movies that the dumbest, most lame people are always Christians? Right? They're the first to get eaten by dinosaurs. They're the first, you know, they, they, they're so dumb. You're almost like relieved when they got killed in the movie because they were so annoying. Why is that? Because they're planting seeds all the time. And Hollywood's not our enemy. We only have one enemy. But he's using a variety of... Of, of methods in order to do exactly this in our minds. Did God really say? Did God really say that he was going to be there for you? Did God really say that he was going to heal you? Did God really say that he would bless you, that he would comfort you, that he would favor you? Whatever the promise is that he's given you, Satan wants to come and say, did he really say? He wants to cause doubt because he can't stop you, but he can plant seeds that you stop you. Think about all the things you've done. I bet you didn't like, wow, the devil just took me over and I uh, did all these things. No, he put a seed in your mind and you followed it up. Doubt can hit us. Through a myriad of things. It can hit us when we are feeling discouraged. Anyone had that? Suddenly we start to, to doubt things that we always thought. When evil seems to triumph. When we lose a loved one. When it seems our prayers aren't being answered. When our hearts are broken. When it seems God's promises aren't coming through. It can come through an offense. It can come through disappointment. It can come through betrayal. And all of a sudden, we start to question things that we believed on the mountaintop. Who's ever had that? On the mountaintop, yes, I believe God can do anything in the valley. God, are you out there? But what he wants to attack most is our belief about the character of God. Do you know that? What is he attacking here when he's saying, did God really say? What he's really saying is, is God really good? Because he goes on to try to convince them that God is withholding, and we'll read it now, that God is withholding something from them. And sometimes we feel like that. We look out at everything going on, and we feel like, 
God's way may not be the best way. I know we never want to admit that. But sometimes we're like, God's way is just going to make me a missionary. I don't think I want that for my life. <laughs> like, I've got plans and dreams. Who do you think gave you those plans and dreams? But his way of getting there is very different than our way of getting there. I got to speak at a business conference on, uh, on, on Friday. And I said, you know, we need companies to grow. And it's beautiful that we can give people jobs and, uh, and all of these things. But if we're doing and building our businesses exactly the same way as the world, then what glory is that to God? If the reason my business grew was because of my fantastic marketing strategy or because of all of these things, that's glory to man. Where is the glory to God in our lives? And this is what he's trying to get them to do. Up until then, God had done all of this and given it to them. And now the enemy is coming to say, yeah, I'm not sure that God has everything that's good for you. He's withholding. He's holding back. And as parents, you know that we face this with our kids often. When we have to say no, they think we're trying to hold something back from them. We're trying to limit them. We're trying to keep them from good. No, we're trying to keep them from bad. At six years old, Dad, can I have the keys? Uh, no. Oh, you're a terrible father. My dad's friend, I mean, my friend's dad, he would let his, yeah, great. You hear what I'm saying? And we, we have this tug of war. Where do you think those seeds of doubt come all the time? And if we're going to wrestle this in our mind, we're going to lose. How did Jesus wrestle this? Knowing the word. It is written. Not, oh, that's a good point. Hmm. I didn't think about it like that. Don't entertain things that are against God. God gave them such an incredible vision and plan. And this is what I really believe God wants to do in your hearts today is that God wants to revive some things that the enemy has spoken you out of. Whether it's that God is good, whether it's that God is a father, whether it's a dream that God has given you, and the enemy came and he said, did God really say, did God really say, and you let it go. You see, it wasn't about this tree. This tree was the distraction. If we go back to Genesis 1.28, it says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. He gave them this monstrous mission. A whole planet. I am legend, right? They're the only ones on there. And then he's got them worrying about a little tree. This whole huge mission. And this is what the enemy does in our lives. We've got this incredible journey that God wants to take us on. This incredible mission that he's invited us to, that he's given us. And then we look at this little thing and say, why, well, why don't I have that? How come I don't have this? And then he starts to feed into you. Let me give an example. Maybe you're trusting the Lord for a spouse. Right? That's the only thing that you don't have in your life. And God's like, no, look at all of this that I have for you. You're like, no, but I want this. And then those seeds of doubt start to come. You see, God doesn't care about you. He hasn't given you a spouse. But you don't realize that everything that you need, He has for you when you're walking according to His purpose. And you get it without the sorrow. 
You can go get a spouse. If you're single, you can go get a spouse tomorrow. Right? Russianbrides.ru. Tomorrow. <laughs> Expedited shipping. She will be here by the end of the week. Now, I'm not saying that's wrong. But what I am saying is there's ways that we can shortcut the process. And that's what Genesis 3 is about. Everything that God wanted to show them, they decided to try to do it without God, and it always ends in a mess. Proverbs says that he adds riches without sorrow. We have been around a lot of rich people. I mean, so rich that it's hard to even comprehend the numbers in your mind. And when it came without God, it came with so much sorrow that you never looked at their lives and went, oh, I wish I had that. You're like, I hope I never have that. Right now, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal in you what dreams, what mission, what did God give you? Did he place in your heart? Like Abraham, you're going to have a son. And then somewhere along the line, you let somebody whisper in your ear, hey, it's been so many years, I don't think it's coming. Here, take my servant. You hear what I'm saying? Somebody whispered in your mind, in your heart, in your ears at a low time, instead of encouraging you like Moses and lifting your arms up to keep going, it was the opposite against God. Did God really say? And somewhere along the line, you let that go. And I do believe that God wants to restore those dreams because that is what he does. He is a restorer. He wants to revive those things because what we have that Adam and Eve didn't have was the sacrifice of Jesus. They lost the garden. Jesus came to give back all God's promises back to us because he paid the price. What things have you let go? What things did you once believe about God that you no longer believe because life got hard? Because things didn't work out? Because somebody who said they were a Christian acted like the devil? <laughs> you know where you find them? In church. Some of the most devilish people I've ever met have been in church. It's often the people that leave church that have the most they want to say. Who's ever experienced that? Never said anything when they're at church, but then they leave church and they want to tell everybody what a bad church it is. That's just the enemy using somebody as a vessel. Listen, God calls us to go different places and, and, and so be it. But man, we are to build up. We are to encourage we are to lift up. We are to make things stronger, not tear things down. Don't let the devil use you as a conduit. Who's honest enough to say that that has happened in the past? Four honest people in this church. <laughs> There's some husbands that are like. <laughs> My wife and I used to do that, like you're letting the devil in. And it worked for a few weeks, and they just became really annoying. Like, now I'm even more mad since she told me that I'm letting the devil in. 
doubt, to call into question the truth of whatever. What thoughts, what things, what circumstances have called God's truth into question in your life? This is truth. It doesn't go on trial. It doesn't go on trial. But the world that we're living in now wants to put everything of God on trial. And I love that they've tried to disprove Jesus through history, and they could never do it. This doesn't go on trial, but doubt tries to put it on trial. A lack of confidence. Have you lost confidence in God? Has something happened? And let me tell you what. If your faith has never been tested, then I'm not sure your faith is real. There's some letters that Mother Teresa, who I would say was one of the most faithful people on the planet, where it doesn't even sound like she knows God at all. But that's just the honest truth. She wrote back home to say like, the darkness and the despair. I don't even feel God where I am right now. If you don't have your faith tested, it's not real. You know who else had his faith tested? John the Baptist. Are you the one? After like, behold the son of, you know, the lamb of God. Are you the one? You know who else had his faith tested? Jesus. What? Are you sure, Brent? Yes. When he said, is there anything else we can do here? But not my will, but yours be done. What do you think that was? Real faith is tested, and God is bigger than the doubts we have. But we have to choose who we turn to in those moments, because sometimes it's the difference between a divorce and a reignition of marriage, depending who you went to. It's the difference between walking away and getting stronger. I so admire Joseph, who somehow managed to keep on the path with nobody whispering encouragement in his ear. Or David, when he was facing Goliath, nobody was on his side. No one was like, David, you can do this. <laughs> Not one person. He had the opposite. But we are blessed because we are part of a church. It's not just we come on Sunday, get an RC, and leave. And if you haven't got an RC yet, it will improve your Sunday experience by 13.5%. <laughs> no, it's about fellowship. It's about talking to one another. Because on the day that I'm feeling weak, you may be strong. And the day that you're weak, I'm strong. And we are lifting one another up. Because not one of us are Iron Man. None of us. And all of us have doubts. I often doubt if my wife loves me. But then, <laughs> she tells me she does. <laughs> Uncertainty of belief. Are you uncertain? How does faith come? Who knows? By watching movies. No, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Again and again and again. I've been in church since, since I was a small baby. I'm not saying that I was born saved, but I've heard so many sermons. But it doesn't matter how many sermons I've heard. I have to keep 
hearing God's word. So don't ever think now you've arrived that you don't have to read your Bible. That is the moment the enemy shows up to say, did he really say? And you have to get back in and see what he really said. Because things start to twist in our mind and we see that with Eve. When she says, of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it if you do your surly die. I mean, God didn't say that. Now she's adding on, right? So already her memory is getting a little fuzzy. Why? Because they should have been encouraging one another and, and setting down, like it says in Deuteronomy 6, about remembering the things that God has done. Tie it around your neck, write it on your forehead, whatever it might be, so that we do not forget. Just because we were saved once doesn't mean that we don't have battles to fight. And battles tire us out. But we restore and we renew and we have to know God's word all the time, all the time, all the time. My mom sent me Deuteronomy 28. And it's all about your crops, your animals, your this. And it really means a lot to us now. That never meant anything. It was our puppies. Well, we got dogs. <laughs> no, we want the blessing of the Lord reminding us, hey, we have blessing on our crops. We have blessing on our animals. These goats dying, this is no good. This is not from God. Lord, teach us, show us. Not, mm, I don't know if that really applies today. You know where that has come from, that teaching? That came from the church. But it, it was the devil whispering in somebody's ear in a time of disappointment that then made a whole theology that the gifts have ceased. Why did that theology come? I bet you at the bottom of it is somebody's broken heart who then said, you see, God doesn't come through. We prayed and this person died. Therefore, this no longer works today. That's when we have to most hang on to what God said is in our deepest pain, our deepest disappointment. That's when we have to know that God's word will work. It just may not look like we thought it was going to look or in the timing that we thought it was going to come. If I look back in my life, God has always been faithful. But many times in my life, I thought he wasn't. Anyone else? But looking backwards after like five years, you're like, oh, okay, I see it now. But in the time, where are you? <laughs> the serpent says, verse 4, you won't die. He replied to the woman, God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, I didn't even think about being like God. But now that you mention of it, that sounds really cool. Why would he withhold that from me? I want to be like that. Sometimes people create problems when there aren't problems. I read an article that France wrote about America with this whole woke thing, saying like, suddenly people are saying, crying racism in France when there was never a problem before. Just because we've now exported problems, where now I'm looking for it everywhere I can. Oh, there it is. If you're looking to doubt God, you can find a hundred ways. Satan will make sure of it. Like I said, if you're looking to find a problem with a sermon, you can find a hundred things wrong with it. I don't think he should be wearing sneakers. Fantastic. <laughs> or you can focus on what is actually happening and come out stronger. 
You can always find a problem with your spouse. You can always find a problem with your friends. You can always find a problem with your life. Or you can look at what God is doing and not worry about the one tree that you're not supposed to eat fruit from. And look at the 10,000 other things that He has given you. While the world is having sex before marriage, well, why can't we do that as Christians? And we focus on that. Well, why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Instead of looking at the thousand other things that God has. Right now, this tree is not for you. You hear what I'm saying? But in time, He gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything. 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 But who's whispering in your ear? Why do we seek to, to, to date and marry people of the same faith? Because we take a lesson from Solomon when David said, listen, don't take women of, of other religions. He thought he was smarter, right? He's the smartest man on earth. And what happened? Exactly what David said, warned him of. In your old age, your heart will turn. And that's exactly what happened. We always think we know better than God. When are we going to learn? We don't. And that He is good. Can you say that with me? God is good. God is good. Sure, and when you've had church hurt, it's so hard to believe God is good because we associate the people in the church who hurt us as, as part of God's plan. But this was a Christian, so that God is somehow connected to this. I was with a, a guy on Friday who was also speaking, and uh, he was leading a church and just went through such church hurt. And he said he was praying to die. He was in so much pain. He didn't have a wife. And I think that's the difference. Having a wife in ministry is such a blessing. Because when you don't want to come out of the bathroom. <laughs> and him and I were talking back and forth about this. How hard it is to not associate that with God. When Christians hurt us. But the enemy rushes in to say, did God really say? Is God really good? Is God's plans really good for you? Does he really want you to have all things? My mom never remarried. She never dated. And she, she's had the most amazing life. Now, I'm not saying that's for everybody. But what I'm saying is God took care of her life in the most wonderful way. She's in a good way. She's the envy of her friends. And all she's done is faithfully follow God. I can fault her on nothing. Except the time she tried to choke me out while I was sleeping. <laughs> Love teasing. She just beat me. <laughs> faithfully following God, even against our doubts, always will result in something beautiful. Verse 6, just the first part. The woman was convinced. This, this is mind-blowing. But the same for our lives. I want to bring it, not beat up on Eve, but talk about us. God has been faithful, say, for 10 years in our life, and then one thing happens, and we're convinced of something else. Come on. I can't be the only one that that's happened to. God created them. God gave them all these things. I mean, they have a help for each other. They just, it's just, they're naming zebras and, and zebra, not zebra, right? Adam said zebra. 
They, they're naming all these animals and all these cool things are happening. And one conversation with the enemy, one conversation, and the woman was convinced. And Adam was convinced. Isn't that crazy? How quickly things can turn. And this is why you have to be so careful of what's going in your ears and in your eyes. Because decades worth of work can suddenly change. How many stories have you heard of pastors being caught in adultery? How many? So many. After true godly ministry for 10, 20 years, and somewhere along the line, something got whispered in their ear, and they didn't run. And any of us are susceptible to this. This is what I want you to know. Don't judge hardly when somebody falls. Because here we're looking at two perfect, perfect, perfect people. And how quickly that can change. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.23, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. If I had a friend who spoke negatively of my wife and I entertained those conversations, I'm telling you, even though my wife is amazing, eventually I'm going to start to see the things that that person's pointing out because we, we, we are flawed. But it's not focusing on those flaws that makes a happy marriage. All of us have things. My wife has been asking me for years to, to put my clothes away. And I really want to. I just, I can't. And if she focused on that, we would have a divorce. But fortunately, she doesn't. And it's the same thing. Whatever we focus on, if we're not focusing on good, it's going to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. When we focus on God, He gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We focus on our lack, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Our offense, whatever it might be. And the same thing. When people first come to a church, they're so excited because they haven't had time to look at all the things they don't like yet. Right? They're still focusing on the things they do like. Oh, look, oh, the sermon and the worship and this and this. And then, and then slowly the enemy starts to whisper, oh, yeah, but, you know, look, at, they don't have donuts. And you're like, yeah, they don't have donuts. You can find, listen, if Adam and Eve could find a reason to not trust God in the garden, you can find a reason to not trust God in any situation or circumstance. There's nothing more perfect than that. So just because you find a problem doesn't mean it's valid in order to now throw that in the trash. Because then nothing stands a chance. You've got to listen to what God is saying. Carrying on, she saw the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. You see, they wanted to shortcut God. They wanted to get there without God. So she took some of the fruit and ate it and she gave some to her husband as he was with her and he ate it too. And at the moment, their eyes were open and suddenly they felt the shame of their nakedness. And so they sewed together fig leaves together to cover themselves. And then this whole other part that we'll talk about next week. But you can't get God's promises without God's ways. You can't. You, they couldn't fulfill the purpose 
of subduing the whole earth without following God, walking with God, keeping with God. And we try to do it all the time. I've tried to do it. I have. I had to speak on surrender at this business conference and I stood up, I said, I just wanted you to know I'm the biggest hypocrite here because I've been fighting against God with everything that I can to not surrender. I was like, thank you for getting me this far. I'm going to take it from here. Anyone ever had that? And maybe not even uh, uh, realizing that you're doing that. But you're like, okay, great, I've got it. And suddenly the wheels come off and you're like, mm, I don't have it. Where's, where's my fig leaves? <laughs> I'm naked. <laughs> and this is such a beautiful moment in the story of the prodigal son. And I think many of us go through these moments. It's not just for complete backsliding people. We go through these moments when we say to the Father, I've got it from here. Thank you for getting me to this point. I'm packing my bag and, and I can take it from here. I think I know what I'm doing. And suddenly we find ourselves in an absolute mess, desperate. But here is when everything comes back together in the realization of God's goodness. And it says this in Luke 15, 17, when he finally came to his senses and said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. What is he saying there? He's saying the father's good, that even the servants have more than enough. And on my own, I am starving. On my own, I am dying. But somebody whispered in the prodigal son's ear somewhere, Bet you it was on Facebook. <laughs> he read something. He read some article and was like, nah, why am I still at home? Well, someone was like, you still live at your dad's house? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? He's like, I'm packing my bag and I'm going. Some of us today have doubted God's promises. If that's you, please raise your hand. If we can't be honest here, we, until you are honest enough to say and realize where you're at, you can't turn around. That's what repentance is. It's turning from this, but until it's exposed. Peter's greatest moment was not when he told Jesus that I will never leave you, which he did. It's when he said to Jesus, I am a sinful man. Because now he could change. We've doubted God's goodness. If that's you, would you raise your hand? We've doubted the great dreams that he's put inside of us. And maybe like, like Abraham and Sarah, like I'm too old now. Don't doubt what God can do. We've doubted God's plan. And we've been doubted out of our father's house. And some of us are with the pigs. And they stink. Oh no. We are striving on our own and it's brutal. Oh, it's tiring. When you're trying to make it all on your own. It's such a fight. And it's like treading water in a sea current and you just can't get out of the sea. And it's just taking you back and back and back. But you want another crazy thing? What God says, stop trying. You're like, I'm going to drown for sure 
Stop trying. Stop trying in your own strength. Remember my goodness. Next week's message is so beautiful because it's, it's the introduction of salvation. It's the introduction of Jesus, his plan into the world. Right at such a dark time, here comes the prophecies about Jesus. But today can be a turning point for you. I bet you Satan's already whispering in your ear like, no, don't do it because then they're going to look at you differently. No, nobody's going to look at you differently. You're going to look at yourself differently. Don't do it. It's going to be embarrassing. Don't, you know, people think that you have it all together. Anyone who thinks you have it all together, they're not living a real life. No one here has it all together. And if we do, then we don't need God. The only one who has it all together is when we are depending on Him. And He's the one that keeps it all together. There can be some real life change here today. One of the biggest lies that, you, lies that you can believe is that you don't need God. Maybe you have never given God your life because you're scared to do it. You're like, oh, he's going to make me wear khaki pants. I'm going to have to gel my hair down and go to six Bible studies in a week. Serving God is so boring. And Christians are just as bad as the world. Whatever those lies are that have been, push that aside. And like blind Bartimaeus, when they said, he shouted even louder. Your life, my life, can change today when we realize that we have allowed whispers in our ears. Ah, you're not, you don't really make a difference in this church. So you, you never try. You never step out. You never try to use your gifting. No, you, you sinful. If the pastor knew what really goes on in your mind, lies. Lies, you don't know the pastor. You hear what I'm saying? You've got you to come back to the Word of God and let this be the truth and everything else a lie. Everything else a lie. I want to whisper something in your ear and close with this. Would you close your your eyes and just imagine the things that I'm saying? Imagine this, because this is the truth. One of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more that you can find in the Bible. The Lord, He's my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.
And that, that's the truth. Let someone whisper that in your ear. And you whisper it in your own ear as you read the Bible. And sometimes read it out loud so that your mind can't tell you other stuff. So we want to pray today. And whatever these things are, I really hope that the Holy Spirit has been working in your heart. It could be something small. But it's an act of faith to say, God, I'm, I was going this way, but I'm, I'm, I'm turning around. And it's not just for the filthy sinner. It's for all of us that have allowed doubt to rule our life, which brings in stress, which brings in all these other things to say, God, I am returning to your truth for my life. And I'm laying down all these other doubts and things that I have allowed to filter into my heart and mind. And we are going to pray. And I do believe that God is going to do a work. And God is going to restore. When I first came to this church and I sat at that very back corner, I could, I could fill up two hours of telling you all the doubts that were plaguing my mind. That I had allowed to come in through hurt and disappointment and all these other things. But God is so faithful. And we are still on our journey. We're still working through things. But even in the midst of that, God can still use broken people. So I encourage you, get prayer today. Shake off all those things. Throw that serpent on the ground. Hit him with a shovel. Amen.